The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to David Guao, or, or Chow, I'm sorry. Uh, David is a global market strategist at Invesco. I was thinking, David, of Terry Guo for a minute there because uh, the Wall Street Journal today was reporting that uh, Terry, who is founder of Foxconn, reportedly sent a letter to Beijing saying, we've got to dismantle the COVID zero policy because otherwise China's central position in the global supply chain would come under threat. Here I thought maybe the protest had an impact, I'm wrong. It doesn't matter at this point. Restrictions have been lifted and China's on its way to recover or no. That's right. I think that it could have been a combination of factors that really led to this very abrupt shift. So China State Council laid out uh, this week a, a departure from its stringent zero COVID pandemic framework and and markets. And I think everyone is cheering uh, these new uh, this pivot. So do you think that the 5% growth rate target is now achievable? That, that's the call from uh, economists over at J.P. Morgan. I think that's very possible for next year. And given if, if the property market stabilizes, if we get just 0% growth for the property market next year, uh, and we have a reopening that's gradual but, uh, but continues, then I think that 5% is achievable. Yeah, I mean, some of the same problems are there, David, are they not? That, the, you know, we're in the pandemic and they're likely to become more of a focal point. And I'm talking about the property side of things, the amount of debt the country's actually managed to rack up as well. And, you know, we've got also huge demographic challenges as well. That's right. I think that the property market um, will continue to face some headwinds. Uh, for example, lower tier cities have an inventory glut along with still falling prices. But I think uh, the exit of COVID zero should boost uh, household confidence in purchasing large ticket items such as homes and cars. And I think that, uh, you know, we may have already seen the bottom, um, but we could be bumping along the bottom for the property market for a while. So here is uh, Xi Jinping, the Chinese president in Saudi Arabia, ostensibly to strengthen energy policy coordination with the kingdom. I think the government in Beijing is betting on a recovery. When you look at areas in which to invest in China, what's top of mind for you? I think that there are a few areas. I think the first sector that should benefit are consumer cyclicals. And so uh, China's accelerated kind of reopening timeline and also uh, additional monetary and fiscal support should really prop up these uh, consumer discretionary, consumer staples stocks. If you think about the number of people uh, that have been unemployed due to the stringent lockdowns, and also a lot of people that have pent up savings uh, in China would look to spend their money once China exits uh, from this uh, zero COVID framework. 
Well, okay, uh, we've got at the moment some uh, research that uh, Bloomberg Economics did that uh, perhaps showed that we've got a recovery, a full recovery, um, i.e. the whole reopen done, uh, already priced in. Um, we've got others like Goldman Sachs suggesting only 40% is priced in. I'm sure the truth is somewhere in between. Yes, I think that we there's still legs to this market rally. Chinese MSCI China has been up you know, significantly in the month of November alone. Uh, a lot of that was due to uh, uh, you know, thoughts about this uh, reopening, uh, you know, which we're seeing right now. But if we just look at valuations, Chinese stocks are still cheap relative to historicals. And I think that there are, there are still uh, quite a bit of ways for Chinese stocks to run. You know, David, I'm wondering about uh, the unforeseen headwinds. Maybe we're not talking about the horizon as being uh, maybe uh, impactful on what we're likely to see in markets. We had a story yesterday on the Bloomberg Terminal talking about Dutch officials planning some new controls on exports of chip-making equipment to China that may be more closely aligned with some of the trade rules that the U.S. is imposing. This is obviously in a way to prevent Beijing from accessing the more high-end uh, computer chip technology, when you look at tension between the U.S. and China, geopolitical risk, does this show up for you? I mean, in the longer view, does this have the potential to hold back growth in China in a significant way? Well, I think that geopolitical risks and concerns tend to be a shorter term market disruption. Uh, we've seen that with what happened with Russia, Ukraine. We see we saw what that happened uh, with the U.S.-China trade war. I, I think that right now we're kind of in a reprieve, perhaps um, U.S.-China uh, seeing relations stabilize a bit. Uh, ultimately, I don't think that we're going to see a, a U-turn when it comes to uh, uh, U.S.-China relations. Though I will say that uh, markets do tend to look through geopolitical risks um, and, and more at the structural and fundamentals at the end of the day. All right. Well, let's have a look at the U.S. itself. And you can link it with China in the sense that uh, we have a low inflation there, 2.1 percent of the read on the CPI in China. Uh, now, the thing is that uh, we've also got base effects coming up at two. Uh, certainly some of them are already occurring. Should this all contrive together on the one hand for China to export deflation as it used to do before? And uh, on the other hand, also those base effects also make inflation look much more benign than uh, it has been this year. Well, I think that China's reopening will uh, will be inevitable. And we're starting to see um, you know, that play out. And that will certainly have inflationary pressures um, around China and also the region, though the APAC region uh, is lucky enough to uh, to enjoy lower uh, inflation levels and consumer prices. Um, and, and I think that we will see a bit of inflationary uh, pressures, uh, especially in the second half of next year. Now, whether that uh, transmits itself into places like the U.S. and Europe, uh, you know, I don't think so. I think it'll be more of a regional phenomenon. Hey, David, before we let you go, let's uh, leave China for a moment. Talk about North Asia. Give me your take on, on South Korea and Japan. Are, are these places that I want to be putting money to work in right now? Yes, I think so. I, I think that the, the main catalysts are a low valuation, especially in Korea, uh, for, for tech companies. And we're at the bottom of the semiconductor cycle. Uh, and also China's reopening should also spur another round of consumption, especially for tourism to these countries. And also in terms of ele electronics, where uh, these export-oriented economies would benefit. Okay, David, what about fixed income? Where are you uh, positioned on that? I'm talking about sovereigns and uh, also, of course, some of the IG grade and perhaps even looking at uh, high yield. 
I think in the near term, uh, for example, the next uh, quarter or two, I think it makes sense to uh, continue to be defensive. And ha you know, we have a preference for uh, for government bonds and also for a high level credit investment grade. But I think that you know uh, we expect a pause in uh, Federal Reserve rates uh, hikes next year, perhaps in the first quarter. Uh, that should that should actually uh, bode well for risk assets. And so we move towards uh, uh, high yields, say in the second half of next year. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what the Fed does this month. A consensus view is that we do get a 50 basis point rate hike. That two-day meeting wraps on the 14th. David, thanks for your time and your insight. David Chow is global market strategist at Invesco, joining from Hong Kong today on Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.